When you get out there, Pastor, if they don't like you, just come on home because we love you. Amen? Amen. And I'm not a betting man. I don't go to the casinos, but uh, I'd bet all I have on this one. When you are on your knee before the Father, you're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful son. That's my prayer for myself and for each and every one of you. And I got to tell you, I can bet money on that one. Kenan's prayer today kind of tied into what I was going to talk about today. And uh, he said, when we pray to God, God, uh, we, we pray like God is surprised by what's going on. And we all know he's not. But I tell you, I am. I'm surprised about everything that goes on. Even though I know that the world is a fallen place and people are just going to do what they're going to do, I just keep getting surprised about the silliness that goes on out in this world. So when I spoke before you last, my topic of discussion was how to build your faith when, everyone seem, when everything seems to be drawing you to a secular world. And that's what's still happening today. My previous topic was still fresh in my mind. And how could it not be? Every day, seeming from every angle, we are hammered with social, political, and divisive chaos. How do we decide when to stay, when to move, how and where to move, in a world that seems so senseless and out of whack? Among other gifts, God provides us with two things that help us navigate these waters. He provides knowledge, and he provides wisdom. So a few weeks ago, I built a Bible study on how to gain wisdom in a seemingly senseless world, and I gave that downstairs in our Bible study time. But like I said, it was still on my mind when uh, it was asked of me to speak today, I just didn't feel like I was done with it. And I felt it was really kind of a part two to what my previous message was. How do you hold to your faith when you seem to be drawn to a secular world? How do you make sense of it all when it just seems senseless? So I took that Bible study and I shaped it into my word today. So my Bible study buddies are going to be getting a preview of this. But... Uh, It'll be new to you. And the Bible, the Bible study took about four Sundays to do, but I'm going to try to shape it into 30 minutes. How's that? You guys don't want to stay here for four weeks, do you? All right. So what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? It seems like today's environment, the ability to gain knowledge is increasing. You can learn anything on YouTube with some help from Mike McKee, I learned how to do my breaks from YouTube. I learned how to make Thanksgiving dinner from YouTube. So you can learn just about anything on YouTube. I did not learn how to cut my own hair from YouTube. Otherwise, it would not have went well. 
Oh, and I was going to say uh, before, I was going to make a little joke. Uh, Keenan was talking about looking at himself turning gray. Uh, you might, your hair might be going gray, but my hair is just going. So uh, you should uh, feel a little thankful for the grayness up there. All right, good man. Good man. I'd give anything for a little gray hair right here. Thank you, sir. So it seems like in today's environment, the ability to gain knowledge is ever-increasing. While the ability to gain wisdom is decreasing. The dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to understand or judge what is true, right, or lasting. That's the definition of wisdom. Knowledge, on the other hand, is information gained through experience, reasoning, or acquaintance. So we don't really look at that a lot as a difference in words, but it really is. Knowledge can exist without wisdom, but wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. One can be knowledgeable without being wise. And I'm going to use an example on raising children. Bookstores can give whole wings devoted to how to raise a child. And I can get those books, I can read them, I can study up and be an authority on their information, but those of us who have raised children know that some of the things you go through uh, just aren't in the books. So how you act and how you behave and the example you set to raise your children in a proper way, that's wisdom. That's gaining knowledge you've experienced and that's applying it to the good. Amen? Knowledge is what is gathered over through time and through study of the scriptures. We're going to talk about knowledge from a biblical perspective here. It can be said that wisdom in turn acts properly upon the scriptures and upon that knowledge. Wisdom is the fitting application of knowledge. Knowledge is knowing how to use a gun. Wisdom is knowing when to use the gun and when to keep it in the holster. I thank God police get a lot of bad rap today. I thank God for the good ones that know the difference and know their job. I saw your brother's post on YouTube. Can I share that? That was amazing. Uh, I'm ashamed to say I forgot his name. I don't, we don't talk much. Kyle, that's right. Amanda's brother Kyle is a police officer. And there was a man, and he was, he was pulled over, and there was a man who pulled over, and he was going to a wedding, and he couldn't tie his tie. So he went over, and he approached. This is an African-American male, supposed to be the dead enemy of the police, Right? He pulled over, and I think in love, he was drawn to Kyle, and he said, hey, I need to tie my tie. Can you help me? And Kyle laughed, and then tied his tie, right? That's what happened. That's one man reaching out to another man, and that's another man responding in love. Amen. Amen. Let's give this guy a God of praise for that. That's the example that we need to hang on to. Because I really do believe that for every bad situation out there, if you look, you'll find a good one just like that. Amen? 
Knowledge understands that the light has turned red. Wisdom applies the brakes. Knowledge sees the quicksand. Wisdom walks around it. Knowledge memorizes the Ten Commandments. Wisdom obeys them. Knowledge learns of God. Wisdom loves God. So what does the Bible say about knowledge versus wisdom? God wants us to have knowledge of him and what he expects of us. In order to obey him, we must have knowledge of his commands. But it's equally important as having knowledge is having wisdom. Knowing facts about God in the Bible is not all there is to wisdom. It's like I said before, I could go back to that bookstore and I could read all sorts of Christian doctrine that will tell me all sorts of different things. But without seeking the word, without seeking the meaning behind God's word, it's all just words, right? And many, many different avenues of information, many, many different opinions can be brought into your mind by just merely trying to gather information. Wisdom is a gift from God. James 1 and 5 states, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. God blesses us with wisdom in order for us to glorify him and use the knowledge we have in him. So I think that's important. It says who gives generously to all without finding fault. You're never going to find a situation where you're going to ask God for wisdom on something and he's going to say, no, you don't deserve it. None for you. You're not going to hear that. God doesn't love like that. That's not love. God's going to give you the information and the avenue to find the knowledge you need to obtain the wisdom you need. But he's never just going to turn his back on you. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, Speak of both biblical knowledge and wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. To fear the Lord is to start on the path of knowledge. We all know that to fear the Lord is not to be afraid of him like he's the boogeyman, but to understand and recognize the power of of his being. And God can then begin to provide us with wisdom through Christ, who the Bible says is wisdom itself. What did we talk about before? Wisdom is, the, wisdom is the gathering of knowledge and the application for the good of God. So Bible says Christ is wisdom itself. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and, and redemption. That's in 1 Corinthians 1.30. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast the Lord. 
How does one gain knowledge and then wisdom through Christ? And this is where we're going to start it up on the screen. I'd like to start in uh, 1 Kings 3. 1, we're going to go all the way through 28. We're going to read the story of Solomon's wisdom. In my previous message, I spoke about King Solomon as he reached the end of his reign. As I spoke before, when he started his reign, he was a man of God. And then he gained the things that kings gain, and he drifted away, and he became worldly. But then God never turned away from him, and he found his way back to God. That was my last message. What we're going to talk about today is God's first, or Solomon's rather, first interaction with his kingdom and the first time he really reached out to God. And let's see what happened. Are up there? Yep. Solomon made an alliance with the king of Egypt by marrying his daughter. He brought her to live in David's city until he had finished building his palace, the temple, and the wall around Jerusalem. A temple had not yet been built for the Lord, so the people were still offering sacrifices at many different altars. Solomon loved the Lord and followed the instructions of his father David, but he also slaughtered animals and offered them as sacrifices on various altars. And what I believe that means is he was building an altar for the big G God, but there were also altars for little g-gods around the area, and I believe he was using those altars to give his offerings, but he was really offering to the true God. That's what I got from that, uh, from that text. On one occasion, he went to uh, Gibeon to offer sacrifices because, of, because that, there was the most, that was where the most famous altar was. He had offered hundreds of burnt offerings there in the past. And that night the Lord appeared to him in a dream and asked him, what would you like me to give you? So here was the king, had everything. Had all the money he needed, had all the servants he needed, had everything he needed. And God himself came to him in a dream and said, what can I give you? What would you do if God came to you in a dream and said, what can I give you? Now, we're being charged with the responsibility of being responsible with that, right? Right? So, Solomon had all the information he needed. He knew what he needed. He knew what he didn't need. He knew uh, what he wanted, what he didn't want. He had all the information to make a decision on that question. And here's what he said. Solomon, you always showed great love for my father David, your servant. And he was good, loyal, and honest in his relation with you. And you have continued to show him your great and constant love by giving him a son who today rules in his place. O oh Lord God, you have let me succeed my father as king, even though I am very young and I don't know how to rule. Here I am among the people you have chosen to be your son, a people who are so many that they cannot be counted. So, given me the wis so give me the wisdom I need to rule your people with justice 
and to know the difference between good and evil. Otherwise, how would I ever be able to rule this great people of yours? So God gave him the opportunity to say whatever he wanted. And he said, God, give me the ability to better serve you. What a mature response. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And so he said to him, Because you have asked for the wisdom to rule justly instead of long life for yourself or riches or the death of your enemies, I will do what you have asked. I will give you more wisdom and understanding than anyone has ever had before or will ever have again. I will also give you what you have not asked for. All your life you will have wealth and honor more than any other king. And if you obey me and keep my laws and commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. So God rewarded that mature response. He not only answered it, but he gave extra. You know, Keenan has talked before, if you give God a tennis ball, he'll give you back a beach ball, right? So he took that request and he multiplied it. So Solomon woke up and realized that God had, in fact, spoken to him in a dream. Then he went to Jerusalem, and he stood in front of the Lord's covenant box, and he offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. And after that, he gave a great feast for all his officials. So Solomon woke up and realized that God had blessed him, so he did what a good man of God does. He offered back to the Lord. And then not only did he do that, but he shared his wealth with those around him, and he made that great feast for all of his officials. So he was given to, and he quickly gave back. Again, what a mature response. Now there's a little uh, discussion as to uh, who these ladies were. The Bible calls them one thing. Uh, some people think they might have just been widowed women. But uh, one day, two prostitutes came and presented themselves before King Solomon. One of them said, Your Majesty, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a baby boy at home while she was there. Two days after my child was born, she also gave birth to a baby boy. Only the two of us were there in the house. No one else was present. Then one night, she accidentally rolled over on her baby and smothered it. She got up during the night. She took my son from my side while I was asleep, carried him to her bed, and then she put the dead child in my bed. The next morning when I woke up and was going to nurse my baby, I saw that it was dead. I looked at it more closely and saw that it was not my child. The other woman said, No, the living child is mine and the dead one is yours. The first woman answered back, no, the dead child is yours, and the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. Then King Solomon said, each of you claims that the living child is hers, and that the dead child belongs to the other one. He sent for a sword, and when it was brought, he said, cut the living child in two, Give each woman half of it. To me, that doesn't sound like the best solution to the problem. But we're going to read further, and we're going to figure out 
why it makes sense. The real mother, with her heart full of love for her son, said to the king, Please, your majesty, don't kill the child. Give it to her. So she loved that child like a mother should love, and she chose its life above her happiness. But the other woman said, Don't give it to either of us. Go ahead and cut it in two. And Solomon said, don't kill the child. Give it to the first woman. She is the real mother. When the people of Israel heard of Solomon's decision, they were all filled with deep respect for him because they knew then that God had given him the wisdom to settle disputes fairly. I personally doubt that Solomon would have had that baby cut in half. What he was trying to do, and I think it happened, he was trying to get the true mother to act out in a godly way and actually choose the life of the child over her own happiness, which is exactly what happened. And also, I believe the second woman, who really didn't have a motherly love for the child, just agreed with Solomon because he was the king and she wanted to be in his favor. So Solomon gathered that information that statement by the first mother saying, don't kill that child, just give it to her. And he gathered the second bit of information where the other woman said, cut him in two. And he applied it to the good of the situation. He gathered wisdom from the knowledge and he gathered and he applied it to the situation. So when the people of Israel heard Solomon's decision, they were all filled with deep respect for him because they knew then that God had given him the wisdom to settle disputes fairly. And that is the story of Solomon's wisdom. So what I did further on is I gathered some bullet points about how do we achieve wisdom from God? How do we, how do, we do it? So I came up, I think there's about nine of them, and I came up uh, with some, and there's a little bit of scripture that follows each one, and I will uh, cover those briefly. We'll talk about what God has to say about it. The first thing I talked about when I talked about how to gather wisdom from your knowledge is you got to ask wisdom from God. you got to ask. And you notice in the previous text, Solomon did that. He was asked, what should I give you? And he asked him, give me wisdom to rule this nation in your way. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. That is in James 1 and 5. Wisdom is to be found, wisdom is found in and begins with God. We find true wisdom on the basis of our relationship with him. We find true wisdom by humbly submitting to God and obeying his commandments. Remember I talked about it previously, knowledge is knowing the commandments, wisdom is obeying them. Back set up right there. Number two, uh, after you ask from God, you've got to make sure that you ask in faith. Ask faithfully, with expectations. Whenever we pray for anything, we have to pray in faith. We have to pray knowing that if it is his will, he will do it. 
James 1, 6 and 7 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. If you're asking for something from God, anything, and you have doubt in your heart that he will receive it, and he will give it to you, don't ask. Don't ask. Do not doubt the Lord. Be faithful when asking and praying for wisdom from God. Cast all your doubts away and believe in him. In other words, don't ask wisdom while you disobey his commandments. That is an act of hypocrisy and unfaithfulness. Believing in God and, believing and being faithful to him means you also keep and obey his commandments. I can't tell you how many times when I was drinking that I tried to strike deals with God and I was in bad shape praying to him, if you just take this away from me, I'll never drink again. And then I did. So he didn't take it away from me until I learned that lesson. Amen? So it says, ask wisdom from God, ask faithfully. The third point is to be a God-fearing person. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. That's in Psalms 111 and 10. His praise endureth forever. Why do we praise God? We worship God because of the relationship he gives with us. We praise him for that reason, but also for the greatness that he is. We, we let him know how great he is, and that's what fearing the Lord is, understanding and communicating how great we know that God is. Amen? When you have fear in God, you follow his teachings and you obey his commands. You avoid committing sins and use the information he has given you to do the good thing, the right thing. This is wisdom. You got to fear the Lord. Number four, when you're trying to gain wisdom, you have to be humble. And Solomon did that in the previous story. He came to God and he let God know in thanks just how great he was. He said, you... you you, allow, you blessed my father. You allowed him to reign. You're allowing me to reign. And then he said, please give me wisdom on how to, re, how to lead these people because I just simply don't know what I'm doing. I'm young in leadership. I need you to help me with that. He humbled himself before God. And in James 3 it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, 
unspiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. If you want to have wisdom from God, live a humble life. Humility will help you overcome envy and selfishness that leads to sin. So choose humility and wisdom. Envy and selfishness is going to be something that every single one of us is going to be dealing with and still deals with. It's going to be there. It's always going to be there. But we get to fight it. And we get to overcome it with things like humility and wisdom. My fifth point is to be prudent. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. That's Proverbs 8 and 12. Wisdom is the ability to make good judgments. Hence, always practice prudence. Don't be hasty in making decisions. Always expand your knowledge. The more you know, the better your judgment will be. There have been times when I have come off and tried to make something work before I had all the words and all the information, and that never works. It might work for a minute or two, but if you're ever to gain wisdom for a situation, you have to be patient and know that you're making the right decisions and the right judgments. You have to practice prudence. Number six, be peaceful and be considerate. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then it's peaceful, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. That's James 3 and 17. We say always observe awareness and practice peacefulness. Be gentle and slow to anger. Learn how to forgive and how to show mercy. I'd like to talk about that line for just a second. Learn how to forgive and show mercy. I'd have to say... Forgiveness is probably one of the best examples of how to gain wisdom from information. Amen? Because God tells us very clearly, just we have to be forgiving. Do not expect to be forgiven if you cannot forgive. He says that very clearly. But when we're in a situation where we have to make the decision on whether or not to be forgiving, we're given all sorts of pros and cons as to why we should or should not do this. So how do we hash through and how do we get the right information? We gather the right information, we seek God, we seek to forgive, and we ask for his mercy on the situation. Be considerate of the feelings of the people around you. Sometimes that's better said than done, but that's a good word. Have compassion and understanding and understand the sufferings of others. By achieving calmness, peacefulness, and full awareness of your surroundings, you will have a better chance to receive the wisdom that comes with God. Amen? 
as we go further. We're asking for wisdom from God, right? How do we gather the information? We have to read the Holy Scriptures and know the words of God. In 2 Timothy 3.15 it says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So what that scripture is telling me is that the, the words you need to know to gather wisdom as to accepting salvation from Christ have always been there for us to know. We just have to seek them. We have to read them. We have to understand them. Be patient in reading and learning God's words in the Bible. The scriptures contain instructions, warnings, and guidance on how we should live and walk on this earth. That's what Pastor was talking about. Our behavior, our actions will judge us. The Bible tells us how they do it, how we should do it. It gives us an instruction manual. The more you know the words of God, the more you will be wise. So once you've read the Holy Scriptures and you know the Word of God, you have to preach and practice the words of God. Now when I say preach, I don't necessarily mean come up on the pulpit and do what pastor does. I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm talking about letting your words your behaviors, and your actions reflect Christ. That's the preaching that they're talking about. And practice the word of God. In Colossians 3 and 16 it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teachings, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Be the manifestation of God's wisdom. Do not just learn God's word, but also preach it and practice it. Make yourself the substantial evidence of kindness, compassion, self-discipline, and love. Let the people around you realize that the wisdom of God, which is Christ, is within you. That is so much more important than what I'm doing right here today. So what I did to gather this word is I went on the internet, I asked some questions, the questions drew me to some scriptures, and then I read, and I interpreted, and I analyzed, and I wrote it down, and here we are. But if you can go out there in your life where so many people need you, and you can preach, and you can practice the Word of God, you will be doing so much better miracles as Jesus spoke. You will do more, far more miracles than I, he said. And I believe that's what he meant. He meant each and every one of us have the opportunity to reach out into the world and preach and practice the Word of God and change hearts, change minds, and reconcile people with Christ. Amen? Amen? My last point is to do your best to get wisdom. It's not always obvious. It's not always obvious. If you read the Bible like it's a magazine, you more than likely will have to read it many, 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 many times before you even kind of get it. 
But you get wisdom, you get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. That is a promise of God right there. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. And I don't believe that means you've got to spend all your money or sell your house or your car or give away your children or anything like that. I think what it means, though it costs you all you have, what it means is if it costs you your old way of life, your old being, your old doctrine, your old opinions or thoughts, be ready to do that, to gain wisdom from the true and living God. I know I had to shed a lot of Mark's ideas before I could really grab a hold of God's ideas. Had to do a lot of that. I still do it today. So finally, free, do your best to get wisdom. Free yourself from foolishness, arrogance, pride, envy, hatred, selfishness, and all the things that hinder wisdom from entering the body, mind, heart, and soul. Let the pure wisdom of God dwell in you. Because it will. It will. So it's easier said than done, right? If we're able to continually get closer to God, we need to understand that there is an evil one that doesn't like our plans. And he has plans of his own. Plans to dissuade, to distract, and to confuse. And we see it everywhere today, from all sides. But if we, are expect, but if we expect to conquer this foe, just like Solomon of old, we need to seek wisdom. That's my message for today. I'd like to thank you all for joining me. I love you. May peace be with you. Thanks for your time. <laughs>